Kevin Markwick. Mind you that for the convenience of those patrons who prefer not to smoke, seating areas on the right-hand side of this auditorium have been designated as no-smoking areas. Your cooperation is appreciated.
Still sounding great. Foo Fighters all my life. Uh, there's some new stuff on the way, apparently, which will be good. So, good evening. Thanks to Adrian for the last two hours of soul-based grooviness. It's Kevin Markwick here with you for the next two hours. It's horrible out there. It's like cats and dogs living together. Mass hysteria. So, tonight we have music from the Dutch Uncles. Petula Clark. Yes, Petula Clark. Daft Punk, Captain Beefheart and The Doe, among others. Film stuff from uh, Alfred Newman and uh, Wojciech Kalar. Cheney Kent takes us through the career of Rachel Portman. And the time trousers stop in 1976 and 1999. <laughs> Sorry. Also, the first of our look at the Oscar noms for best score. I thought I'd go through those over the next few weeks in the lead-up to the big night. Whatever. So, loosen your leopard print thong. Put the cat out. That's not a euphemism. Put your feet up. And let's start with Dutch Uncles.
That's the current single from the Dutch Uncles, Flexin'. Um, don't forget to get in touch as well, actually. That's important. Uh, studio at uckfieldfm.co.uk if you're on email. Hit me up on Twitter at Kevin Markwick. Or you can go to our uh, sexy new Facebook page, The Kevin Markwick Show. Uh, go to Facebook, look it up, leave a mess, do whatever you like, really. Uh, but just get in touch. Um, I want to hear from you. So uh, what's next? We've got actually a Petula Clark. Can you believe that? She's 80 years old and still making music. This is um, from Lost in You, which is released on February the 25th. It's the first single, and it's rather wonderful.
Clark from Lost in You, which is released uh, towards the end of February, uh, which is great. It's really lovely, isn't it? Um, now, there was something else I was going to say to you before we went to the break, but it's completely... <laughs> it's gone completely out of my head. I can't remember what it is. So what we'll do is we'll go to the break. Uh, we'll come out of that. We'll have some Daft Punk and then another chat. All right. Here comes the great new climber from Lion's Maze. Orbit. Super size, super ice cream, Orbit. It's got orange ice cream and raspberry ice cream dipped in chalk. Yes, Orbit breaks the flavor barrier. Orbit with astounding free space picture cards. Orbit, the greatest. Orbit, the big ice cream on a stick from Lion's Maid. On sale now. Kevin Markwick. A warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our programme.
Digital love. My favourite kind, haha. Uh, from Discovery in 2001, of course. Daft Punk. So it's a couple more tracks to go before we grind the gears, sort of handbrake turn into the film part of the show. Uh, when Cheney's coming up, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, all sorts of things, really. Here's um, Everything Everything. Sabi, which is, uh, I mean, is it Indian for friend? It was in the Lone Ranger, isn't it? We've got a Lone Ranger film coming up. Boy, the last one died. Oh. It was a Lou Grade one, I think. Is it Johnny Depp? Yes, yeah, Johnny Depp. Well, good luck, Johnny. 
Now, if you want to um, prepare yourself for the filmy part of the show, the sort of middle hour, go to the Facebook page, The Kevin Markwick Show, and you can see the DVD extras that I've put on there, uh, which has all sorts of, um, you know, pictures and stuff there for all the nonsense that we're going to be talking about. Um, Okay, so I'm gonna, we, we'll leave the music part of the show with a classic track from Captain Beefheart's first album, um, the debut album. Uh, oh, what was it called? I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, uh, back in 1967, but still sounds blinking marvellous. Eventually. I was born in the desert, came on up from New Orleans. Came upon a tornado, so light in the sky. Are we around all day with the moon sticking in my eye? Sure enough, yes, I do. From so, sorry, not trout mask replica, safe as milk. <laughs> oh, I, if I had a brain, I'd be dangerous. Or if I had a memory, I'd be better. Uh, is is probably what I'm trying to say. Okay, grinding gears time. We're going to move into the film part of the show, and what we're going to do first is uh, have a look. I'm going to take each week the Oscar noms. Um, the best original score, which is either going to be a good thing or a bad thing, you decide. Now, I'm not sure about... Well, we'll talk about this one afterwards. Uh, after the jingle, we'll go into uh, uh, um, a cue from John Williams' score for Lincoln. Late evenings on Oakfield FM with the Makindo Surgical Centre, your local private hospital in East Grinstead. For the life you want to live, visit makindosurgical.co.uk.
So there he goes. That's one of his trumpety ones, as opposed to his jingly bingity bongity bingity ones. I know, I know. It's disrespectful. I know, and he's he's a great composer and has done some of the greatest things ever. But enough already, don't you think? In fact, he's the least restrained thing in that film. I thought Spielberg restrained it very, very well, but it, he can't help himself. He has to ladle this stuff all over it. And is it the law that John Williams gets nominated when he writes score? I'm sure he'll write in and tell us. It just stuff. We've heard it all a million times. Okay, that's nominated Best uh, Original Score at the Academy Awards. Uh, and next week we'll do another one. <laughs> and I'll try not to be as rude about it. And now it's time uh, for Cheney. Hello. This week we're going to have a look at the music of a hugely successful British composer. In a career of more than 30 years to date, Rachel Portman has had more than a dozen major award nominations crowned with an Academy Award for the score to Emma, the Jane Austen adaptation starring Gwyneth Paltrow. Most notably, Rachel Portman was the first woman to win an Academy Award for original music. Emma is typical of the style and subject of her music, which is also featured in a number of women-centric movies, such as The Joy Luck Club, Mona Lisa Smile, or The Duchess. Here's a typical cue from her second collaboration with director Lassie Hallström, Chocolat, a score which earned her a third Oscar nomination. The fabled once upon a time sensibility is conjured in typically undulating strings harp and the suggestion of folk melody
Of course, a successful composer like Rachel Portman will be both recognizable and surprising by turns. Buried in the roster of her work are some unpredictable movies, from Jonathan Demme's Hollywood thriller The Manchurian Candidate to Mike Lee's parochial post-Thatcherite chamber piece Life is Sweet. For all their tension or comedy, both these titles allow the pathos out through the music. Conversely, in a film as stripped back as Lynn Ramsey's award-winning Ratcatcher, an austere, realist account of life in a 1970s Glaswegian estate, Rachel Portman's correspondingly spare metallic score finds a way to bloom. The central character, ten-year-old James, is looking to escape the grey, bin-filled streets. An actual journey out of town culminates in a scene in a wheat field. Portman changes to the relatively exotic marimba, which recalls the final scene of another coming-of-age film, Terence Malick's Badlands, which uses music similarly orchestrated by Carl Orff. This is no coincidence. Lynn Ramsey goes on to use that same excerpt in a fantasy escape sequence shortly afterwards, as one of James's friends ties a mouse to a balloon, and the watching boys imagine the animal drifting off into space. Rachel Portman is clearly alive to other music, what with absorbing folk melody and other composers' ideas as necessary. For example, in Where Angels Fear to Tread, a film about the influence of Italy and Italian, her opening titles sound as if they have come from an opera by Donizetti, an opera just like the one used in the central set piece of that film. Ultimately, hers is a readily identifiable voice, though, introducing a melody of the ages through a string mist, invariably pointed with the piano or harp. This is the style that is at the heart of another award-winning score, Mark Romanek's bitter romance, Never Let Me Go. And, of course, it's at this point that I must go. Goodbye. Thank you.
Rachel Portman's haunting score for um, Never Let Me Go, which I thought was rather good. I really enjoyed it. I was a big fan of the book, and I don't think, uh, you know, we all know that films, books, uh, but I wasn't at all disappointed with that. I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful film and should have done far better than it did, I think. Thank you, Chaney. That was absolutely wonderful, as always. Um, And next week, Carter Burwell, apparently, uh, who, amongst other things, uh, did, of course... Uh, Raisin Arizona, which is one of my favourite films. Now, what did I do this week in film? Again, nothing is exciting, really. I sat through... I do, I do, actually, I did have a good night the other night. I bought the Blu-ray of Airport. <laughs> Sublime to the ridiculous, I know. But it's a film I hadn't seen for a while. And we were talking When we were talking about Two Mules for Sister Sarah a couple of weeks ago, that was the last time I saw Airport in the cinema was uh, in the double feature with Two Mules for Sister Sarah, which went on forever and ever. And, you know, I absolutely loved it. Now, I do have a soft spot for disaster movies, admittedly, but it's kind of bonkers and silly, but hugely enjoyable. And the score is kind of rousing and wonderful from the well, one of the great Hollywood composers, Alfred Newman. <laughs> Thank you. 
Oh, wonderful stuff. Uh, Alfred Newman's score for the 1970 uh, disaster movie epic with uh, Burt Lancaster and Dean Martin and Gene Seberg and uh, a very young Jacqueline Bissett and, of course, the uh, old lady that got the Oscar, <laughs> Helen Hayes. Uh, and the Blu-ray looked gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. It looked exactly how I remember it. Pin sharp with those anamorphic lenses and, you know, just gorgeous and bonkers and jj abrams take note only naturally occurring lens flare okay mm-hmm. okay i'm going to take a break now and when we come back oh we've got some good uh, polish film music well it's a by a polish composer you know you, you'll find out when we get there it's new Now it's time for ice cream. Or maybe some nuts. A cool glass of orange. Why not try a hot dog? Or the real thing, a cool, refreshing Coca-Cola. From the sales staff and in the foyer, now. Oh, yes, on sale in the foyer now. Okay, taking us up to the news... Um, we were talking about old horror movies and Frankenstein and Dracula the other day, and it occurred to me you don't often hear uh, Wojciech Kilar's wonderful, brilliant score for Francis Coppola's quite good <laughs> Dracula film, which was mostly, if I'm honest, I think, trashed by uh, Gary Oldman's performance. All that, uh, listen to them, the children of the night stuff, uh, which was quite unnecessary, um, but it looked gorgeous, and the score was amazing, and I'm pretty sure, I don't know, somebody knows about these things, Janie, perhaps you can tell me, uh, it seems there's a portion in the middle there where it sounds very, very hammer to me, uh, but I might be wrong, and it starts very quietly, here we go, this is uh, Dracula, the uh, score by Wojciech Kilar, for 1992 film Dracula by Francisco Polo.
Kevin Markwick. Okay, so here we are then, the hot tub time trousers, the hot, <laughs> the time travelling leopard skin thong which I'm wearing has dumped us here in 1976. So what's going on then? Well, Harold Wilson was prime minister. Well, at least he was until he resigned in April. Uh, Anita Roddick opened the first body shop store in Brighton, and the first commercial flight of Concorde took place. Southampton won the FA Cup, boo, and Yawn. Liverpool won the league. Ooh, I remember that. Ooh, just boring. And of course, it was the summer of the drought. Uh, <laughs> I remember sucking out the bath water through a hose. You know, like a what do they call it? Where you have it up there and it comes down. Oh, it's disgusting to ve- to water the vegetable patch. Not very pleasant at all. Get in there and suck my bath water out. Anyway, um, uh, number one on January the twenty eighth, nineteen seventy six, was Bohemian Rhapsody, which we really don't need to hear again in our lives. Um, so at the Picture House Uckfield, it was a two and a five. Now, if you remember, if you've been listening, you'll know what I'm talking about. Two and a five, Sunday two days, and then uh, Tuesday five days, because back in those days, in nineteen seventy six, films changed on a Saturday night which meant all the work, all the films had to go back Saturday and then we had to make them all up again on Sunday. Now, can you go? if you go to the Facebook page, you can see some pictures that will illustrate what I'm talking about. I'm banging on here. Uh, the Kevin Markwick Show on Facebook, and that'll uh, show you some images. In fact, what it'll show you is that I am actually telling you the truth because <laughs> I've put a picture of the ledger up there uh, where you can actually see the very entry for the week that I'm talking about in 1976. Um... So it was a double feature uh, on the Sunday, um, Sunday in the Country, which was a long forgotten action picture, which I think was, it, was, it wasn't bad. I seem to remember enjoying it as a kid, but that's no guarantee of respectability, trust me. I was kind of lucky, or forever mentally scarred, you decide, by being allowed to see excerpt films before I was technically old enough. Um, well, wait a minute, I mean, kids do that now, don't they? Are they mentally scarred? Probably. Anyway, who waits till they're old enough? It was actually part of growing up. It was a part of growing up that I missed. I never had to put on big shoes and sneak into a cinema underage. I was robbed. Um, but actually, on balance, I think I know better, don't you, frankly? Anyway, Sunday in the Country with the late, great Ernest Borgnine, made in 1974 and made by people who pretty much had no career worth speaking of. <laughs> the director, the writer, everybody, you've not heard of them, trust me. Um, this was OK, though, because Borgnine is, um, is good as a gnarly old farmer protecting his farm from the from on-the-run bank robbers, the leader being the equally great Michael J. Pollard, who you 
you probably remember from Bonnie and Clyde some years before. Uh, and other than a poster, no trace of this film seems to remain. I don't know if it's even on DVD. It might be. It was released by American International Pictures, which of people of a certain age will set up uh, an image. Uh, maybe we'll do a thing on them, because they, they are some terrible films that they made. Uh, Samuel Z. Orkoff. Uh, American International Pictures. Uh, anyway, I've put the picture up uh, of the poster, actually, that we actually displayed in the foyer um, and outside on the Facebook page if you want to go and have a look. Anyone remember it? No? Okay, well, let me know. Anyway, um, and the second part of the double feature was a rather clunky gangster flick um, with the, I mean, let's face it, slightly overrated Angie Dickinson. Hold it right there, Mr. Angie Dickinson is Big Bad Mama. A mother's still got some rights in this country. Hey, you can't do that. The hell I can't. Paradise, Texas, 1932. We're going to have everything we ever wanted. Prosperity was just around the corner at the nearest bank. Oh, money! Like John D. Rockefeller said, you gotta grasp the dynamics of money and keep the currency on the move. Why do you know it, folks? Why can't we be right up there with Ford, Rockefeller, Capone, and all the rest of them? The cops. Living fast, killing fast. Cars wasn't bad, though. They their way through seven states. May not be Bonnie and Clyde. Angie Dickinson. William Shatner. Tom Scarry, Big Bad Mama, rated R. I, I, can't, I can't remember it, to be honest. I remember the poster. It was trashy and daft. I'm sure uh, Tarantino loved it because it would have had a big influence on me and he liked all those kind of driving pictures. Anyway, 125 admissions, £73.41 pence in two days, uh, although 111 those of those admissions of the 125 were on Sunday. So only 14 people on Monday sat through that lot. Uh, an average ticket price of 65 pence. Um, which, uh, yeah. So Sunday, as I said, was always the busiest day of the week, if you've been following us on this one. Uh, from Tuesday, things looked up considerably. Now, Monty Python and the Holy Grail teamed rather pointlessly with an appalling and deservedly forgotten Donald Sutherland Elliot Gould comedy. Uh, I'm using bunny ears now. Comedy. Uh, called Spies, made in 1974. It was such a naked cash-in, they even put asterisks between the letters of the title to make it look like the poster for M.A.S.H., which had been a huge hit in 1970 for the pair of them. Uh, you can see that on the, on the Facebook page. I clearly remember being bored to tears with it, desperately wanting the Python film to start. Uh, it was one of the longest 87 minutes of my then 13-year-old life. Uh, directed by Erwin Kirshner, actually, who went on to direct the best of the Star Wars, um, The Empire Strikes Back. So uh, his career improved considerably. Did he do Eyes of Law and Mars as well? I think he did. That was a bit silly. Uh, the insistence on double features now seems rather pointless to us, but it's what people expected. You know, why put people through it? Sit there for hours. Ugh. It was even worse when we dumped them and went to shorts, but we'll... well <laughs> I don't mean the trousery shorts. I mean short films about bread making and things, which were just so dumb. Oh, anyway, uh, but actually, did you remember the trailer for Monty Python and the Holy Grail? It was actually a work of genius in itself. Once in a lifetime, there comes a motion picture which changes the whole history of motion pictures. A picture so stunning in its effect, so vast in its impact, that it profoundly affects the lives of all who see it. 
One such film is... Very good. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Next, please. Once in a lifetime, there comes a motion picture which changes the whole history of motion pictures. Uh, yes, thank you. Next. Once in a lifetime! Go away. What? Next. What's wrong with my voice? My voice is all right, my brain is wrong. That's more like it. Kurosawa's Seven Samurai is just Okay, so this doesn't work so well on the radio because it's subtitled. <laughs> you kind of get the picture. To actually make a trailer properly like this is just brilliant. They should do more of this kind of thing. And the Holy Grail, you If you do not open this door, we shall take this castle by force. <laughs> <laughs> So then you've got a scene that um, represents uh, Ingmar Bergman's The Seventh Seal. One day, lad, all this will be yours. After this. Curtain. Run away! <laughs> What makes you think she's a witch? Well, she turned me into a newt! But for her, the seventh seal, like Bisha. There you go. And Death puts a custard pie in his face. <laughs> so, if you're an intellectual midget and you like laughing. So, if you're You could do worse than see Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And, I, and then there's a, a, an old advert for a... And come here afterwards. Monty Python and the Holy Grail, only two minutes from this restaurant. <laughs> That's just brilliant, isn't it? Oh, that brings back a lot of memories. It was clever, refreshing. And here's a film that you could, you could probably still play it today, actually. Well, perhaps not, because you've all got it on DVD and it's on TV. It first played in June 1975, when it was new, uh, and he put the bar G with it, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Why? Oh, blimey. And uh, Holy Grail would go on playing well into the 1980s. Um, and given what it cost to make, I'm pretty sure it is, if not the most uh, profitable film in uh, British cinema history, I'd have thought so. Even today you can see a stage version, uh, Spamalot, of course, lovingly ripped off from the film, as the advertising says. Um, and what's odd, actually, funnily enough, all of that music you remember from the opening credits, you know, the, where it speeds up and slows down, and Ralph the Wonder Llama and all that stuff, uh, was actually... I think mostly royalty-free music from the DeWolf music catalogue. So it wasn't it wasn't composed specifically for the film. The Pythons kind of picked it out. Um, the songs, however, were written by uh, the Bonzo Dog Doodah band genius Neil Innes, who also played Robin's Minstrel, if you remember, um, chickening out and running away and all of that. Uh, with words by Graham Chapman and John Cleese, this is probably the best of them.
End of that, my lead, just how we know the Earth to be banana-shaped. This new learning amazes me, Sir Bedivere. Explain again how sheep's bladders may be employed to prevent earthquakes. Oh, certainly, sir. Look, my liege! Camelot. 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 It's only a model. Shh. Knights, I bid you welcome to your new home. Let us ride to Camelot. We're knights of the round table, three dots where we're able. We do routine to call the scene to put work in back cable. We dine well here in Camelot, we eat ham and jam and spam It's still funny. It's still very, very funny. Uh, the Knights of the Round Table song from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which was playing, uh, oh, this time in 1976, and I didn't write down how much it took. I know. Oh, yes, I did. Um, in fact, actually, Blazing Saddles is probably the only film that played more times in Uckfield. Uh, that one played a lot, and this one played an awful lot. Uh, it took £196, 367 admissions in five days, which was fine, and it kept going, and then was then we put it with Blazing Saddles for a while, and then it went with Airplane for a while, and it just kept turning up. It was kind of Life of Brian, I suppose, took over in the end um, as the uh, Monty Python that kept playing, but still great, great memory. I was so excited so so excited when we played it um okay i'm gonna uh, squeeze back into the time time tights the time thong uh, after this break we'll land in 1999 kevin markwick something special really different and it's not my thong Tastes great. Frankie's spicy pork and beef sausage in a sesame seed roll. There's juxtaposition for you there. With mustard, tomato or fruity sauce. Frankie's, the super hot dog. On sale at the kiosk now. Frankie's, from Lyon. Actually, my daughter's texted and asked me to stop talking about wearing thongs. I love embarrassing my children. You get your own back after all those years. It's great. Okay, so my time trunks have landed us on January the 28th, 1999. It feels kind of recent, really, isn't it? Uh, the number one record was 911, a little bit more. Means nothing to me. Was that a cover of the Dr. Hook record? I don't know. Were we still buying singles in 1999? I can't remember. Anyway, obviously the impending millennium 
uh, was freaking everyone out as we were preparing for the computer meltdown and planes falling out of the skies and all that that didn't happen on New Year's Eve. Tony Blair was Prime Minister. Yes, definitely seems like only yesterday. Um, things have changed considerably now at the Picture House, more so than ever before. Actually, I was busy most of that year preparing to build the third screen. Construct- construction actually began in August '99, so as you can imagine, there had been a lot of shenanigans before that could happen. Uh, the big change from previous years in terms of the films and booking uh, is that we were actually open. <laughs> By that, I mean in the 60s, 70s and 80s, outside of holidays, we pretty much played once nightly, you know, cinema was open at 7 or whatever and shut up as 10. Anyway, now we were open uh, from the early evening around sort of up as 4, 5 every day and all day at weekends. So with clever programming, I could fit far more films in, which was great. Uh, I was booking the films all, well, for some years, actually, before that. Uh, the ongoing films that week were uh, the DreamWorks animation The Prince of Egypt, playing Saturday and Sunday mats only, having started before Christmas. Um, it had songs and Moses in it. Yes. Uh, in screen two was the rather agreeable film version of the hit play The Rise and Fall of Little Voice by Jim Cartwright, uh, now shortened to Little Voice. Was the name, was the title of the film? It had a great British cast and brilliant performances from uh, from uh, Brenda Blethyn, who was Oscar nominated, and Michael Caine. It's probably most notable as a as a record of Jane Horrocks' extraordinary portrayal of the painfully shy mousy LV, who explodes into life when on stage, doing perfect imitations of all the voices she listens to on her dead dad's seventy eight. It's uh, actually the role she originated on the stage at the National. be loved by you just you and nobody else but you I want to be loved by you alone I want to be kissed by you just you and nobody else but you I want to be kissed by you alone I couldn't aspire Do anything higher Than to feel the desire To make you my own Pa-dum, 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 Men cluster to me Like moths around the flame And if there we
Jane Horrocks as little voice, shocking everybody by the noise that comes out of this thing that they weren't expecting. Uh, we did better than most with it, but I always felt it should have done better. It took £2,154. You can tell we're uh, in the 90s now, late 90s. Uh, in its second week, it was, yeah, 2154 in its second week, which is pretty much the same as the first. And it didn't seem to go for a third week. Hmm, don't know why. Anyway, the big film that week was the start of the incredibly long run of uh, Shakespeare in Love. Young Will Shakespeare is having a bad year. His last two shows flopped. <laughs> the theater is about to go bankrupt. Notice will be posted! And the gangsters are moving in. The show must go on. The last thing he needs right now is a nasty case of writer's block. What's it called? Romeo and Ethel, the pirate's daughter. What is the story? Well, there's this pirate. Enter his very own Juliet. Who is she? Dream on, Will. I heard you were a poet. I was a poet till now. Shakespeare! My heart belongs to you, but I will marry Wessex a week from Saturday. Is she fertile? She will breed. If she do not, send her back. If they find you here, they will kill you. For one kiss, I would defy a thousand Wessexes. Miramax Films and Universal Pictures present a truly romantic comedy of errors. That woman is a woman! The house is stirring. It is a new day. It is a new world. What's that music about? They're in a lift. I will have poetry in my life and adventure and love. Gwyneth Paltrow, Joseph Fiennes, Colin Firth, Academy Award winner Jeffrey Rush. Strangely enough, it all turns out well. Academy Award winner Ben Affleck. What is the play and what is my part? And Academy Award nominee Judi Dench as Queen Elizabeth. She's been plucked since I saw her last and not by you. It takes a while to know it. Shakespeare in Love. Oh, yes. Romeo and Juliet. Just a suggestion. Good title. Why? Well, that music was terrible, wasn't it? That wasn't in the film. Blimey. Uh, why, and why the American voiceover? Really? British film? Well, I guess it wasn't a British film, but, you know, we're selling it to the British market. Let's have a British voiceover. Anyway, this is one of those uh, times a film comes along that's so perfect for Uckfield. Uh, we were almost killed in the rush. Uh, um, in the rush. Ah, see, I didn't get that. Jeffrey Rush, yeah. Well. Everything about it was like box office gold. The cast, the subject, the script was well written. Tom Stoppard. It was Elizabethan. It had Lord Judy of Dench in it. Um, and then it goes and wins Best Picture at the Oscars. Oh, it was perfect. And it was fun. I don't care what you say. It was a nice picture. Um, and it goes in the pantheon with King's Speech and Mamma Mia as one of our absolute phenomenons. Uh, the first week it took £8,000, which was a record at the time, uh, and it ended up playing for 12 weeks, finishing on the 15th of April. And it still gives me a warm, fuzzy glow inside. We'd had a pretty bad time before that, and it kind of saved us, actually. So it'll always have a, a special special place in my heart. And uh, Stephen Warbeck wrote the score, and uh, this is the uh, one of the cues from it.
There you go. Part of Stephen, uh, Steve, uh, yeah, Stephen Warbeck's score for Shakespeare in Love, which um, if you're interested in these things, you could put down as a marker of one of the films that saved us. They come along from time to time. You don't know how close it can get sometimes. That's one. Billy Elliot is another. Um, maybe I should uh, go and find them at the films that saved my cinema. Anyway, uh, please let me know what you think uh, of what we've been doing the last half an hour. Even if you say rubbish, just play music, you idiot. Uh, at Kevin Markwick on Twitter, the Kevin Markwick Show on the Facebook page. Email the show, studio at outfieldfm.co.uk. Anywhere you like, please let me know. So that's the film part of the show done. Now we're back to groovy 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 music uh, after the jingle some Tori Amos Late Evenings on Oakfield FM with the Makindo Surgical Centre your local private hospital in East Grinstead for the life you want to live visit makindosurgical.co.uk
Amos uh, from Little Earthquakes, her solo debut album in 1992, and that track was, of course, Crucify. So it's just all blinking good music now, um, in a DJ styley, all the way down to the news. And you've heard me talking enough, so I think we'll just get on with it, don't you? This is uh, Blur, out of time. <laughs> Time to open up your mind and 
watch the world spinning gently out of time. shouldn't be going quiet like that i'd queued it up <laughs> with a jingle ah here we go that'll learn me kiora makes orange flamenco <laughs> lemon and lime cascade orange lemon and lime from kiora for a cool one of six Kevin Markwick. 105, Uckfield FM. Am I willing to wait a 
That'll teach me not to check the top and tail of every single track that I play. Sorry about that, everyone. That was War of the Worlds, uh, Get Cape, Wear Cape, Fly, which is the stage name of Sam Duckworth. Uh, that came out in 2006, uh, which is... Uh, was that 2006? Yeah, rather good. Um, which apparently the name comes from an old uh, ZX Spectrum game that uh, presumably he must have played, where the command... If anybody remembers... Um, uh, DOS command style games where you had to tell the computer what to do and it was get cape, wear cape, fly I think it was a Batman uh, game there you go, how oh, very interesting uh, moving on to Kate Bush from the album Hounds of Love in 1985 this is And Dream of Sheep No more 
Love is so hard to find And even harder to define Oh, open up your door Cause we've time to give I'm feeling it so much more Open up the door Open up your door
the mighty, mighty Richard Hawley uh, from True Love's Gutter in 2009. Open up your door. Now, um, uh, if, it, if you miss any of the show, if you kind of tune in a bit late, you can podcast it, actually. If you go to iTunes and stick uh, the Kevin Market Show in the search engine, you will, uh, on the store, I, I store, iTunes store, whatever it's called, and you can find the show and you can subscribe to it and you can download it. And if you're listening to it on the podcast, thank you very much for downloading. It's uh, very, very much appreciated. So, uh, and also remember, even if you're only listening to it or you are listening to it on the podcast, you can still get in touch on Twitter at Kevin Markwick, uh, on the Facebook page, The Kevin Markwick Show, or however you like, really. But please get in touch. Here's the dough. Burning papers into ashes What a season How they fly
the dough dust it off from the dust it off ep uh, in 2010 that is it uh, it's all over the larger lady has sung and it's been great i've really enjoyed this one uh let's know what you think please i know i keep saying it i keep banging on like a broken record my dad would have said uh, and uh, please tune in next week download the podcast uh, perhaps I'll, I'll have instructions on how to make your own leopard print time thong that would be quite interesting so we're going to go out take you to the news with uh, what seems to be a vaguely neglected bit of music I might be wrong from Badly Drawn, Badly Drawn Boy maybe that's why because you can't say it from the hour of the Bewildered Beast in 2000 this is The Shining bye love you all Shining my way Pure timing